Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 9, Allegiance. <gasps> da, da, da. I'm kind of surprised this subject matter was never really brought up before. I know, but I'm glad they did. Because, like, technically you could say the sort of storylines for these, the, the things that led to this were wrapped up, but then there's always sort of like, okay, but then what happened next? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of shows don't always deal with, but what happened next? Yeah. And Peter, uh, so yeah, this was written and directed by Peter Delvies. Um, and Peter was just like, what happened next? And decided to write it. So. And Yay. what a wonderful job he did. Yes, he did. Yes. <laughs> My biggest comment, which we will talk about in detail once you get to the part of the episode, is once they figure out that it's an invisible assassin, they keep shooting into the air. Oh, it's just like stop. You, uh, I'm surprised that more people weren't like shot in the arm or something than like that one guy. I know. Like, come up with some sort of like fog or start throwing mud at each other so that it like yeah. sticks to them or however it works. Something. Like, stop shooting at the air. You're just going to kill everybody you don't want to. It's like yes. I will say that, yes, that oh was, God. that's, yeah, when we get there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Well, should we get into it so we can get there? Let's do it. Okay. So this episode originally aired on August 9th, 2002, written and directed by Peter DeLuise. And on the commentary, we had Peter DeLuise, James Titchener, and Gary Jones. Yay. Who's Gary Jones? He's the technician guy. Walter Norman Harriman Davis, the guy with too many, the man with too many names. Okay. (laughs) That guy. All right. So in this episode, tensions rise between the Tok'ra and Rebel Jaffa at the SGC's off-world base when they are attacked by an invisible enemy. So the first fun fact, this is the first episode with both Braytac and Jacob in it. You know what? Yeah, that's cool. Which seems crazy to think about, but when you, but it's like, oh yeah, it is. They don't really talk to each other all that much, though, do they? No. They stick no. to the Tok'ra side and the Jaffa side. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Man, missed opportunity. That would have been an awesome I know. scene. So we open on what we come to learn is the SGC Alpha site. There are Tok'ra coming through the Stargate hurriedly. Some are injured. A few of those quite severely Jan is there taking charge of all of that. It's chaos. There's just people running everywhere. There's, like, staff blasts, like, coming through the gate. So something's going on somewhere. One of the Jafra confronts a Tok'ra about something they brought through in a box, and they almost come to blows. Turns out it's just a Zaytark detector, but tensions are high because we find out there was a surprise attack by Anubis at the new Tok'ra base. SG-12 were also there but are now all dead. So that's another SG team that's been completely wiped out. The first thing I noticed that was really weird was the fact that Jaffa were helping the medical teams. Yes. That was like, what? What is, oh, they're supposed to be there. Okay. Yes. So Jacob then comes through and he had first tried to dial the SGC but couldn't get through. This is when Sam comments that that must have been at the same time that Jonas and SG2 were due back to the SGC. So just the gate was already on on Earth, so they couldn't connect to it. So since he couldn't get through there, he dialed the alpha site, which he knows is supposed to be kept like super duper secret. But Jacob insists he was very careful. Nobody saw what address he dialed. And he also set basically like a nuclear warhead to blow up once everybody had come through the gate. So 
things should be fine. Nobody should know where this place is. There's also some tension on the Alpha site because there are now the rebel Jaffa living there post the events that happened in the episode, The Warrior. And Jack's like, is this going to be a problem? And they're like, no, it's going to be fine. Nope, not fine. Not fine. As we cut to the opening credits. So here's what's happening in the episode. Yeah. on Tokra. This is this is the episode. Yep. So after the credits, we come back and there is a funeral taking place for the fallen Jaffa. Editing Carrie here. It's the Tokra, the fallen Tokra, not Jaffa. I don't know why I said Jaffa. They're lying on a plinth that's right in front of the gate. There are some, you know, very solemn words said. And then the gate is activated with the kawoosh then engulfing the bodies. Which, which is a weird ritual. So Peter's reasoning, I can't remember if it was Brad or Peter, or like Peter saying Brad Wright had come up with the idea. But because of the Tok'ra ideology, they don't want to risk being like revived in a sarcophagus or anything like that. So when they die, they are dead and want to make sure that they stay dead. Okay. Hence like disintegration and, you know, stuff. Into the kaloosh. Yes. Huh. Alrighty then. Yes. Which did you notice apparently on the DHD, you can just push the central crystal without dialing an address and it activates the kaloosh, but then like, you know, immediately dissipates. I didn't know that. I don't, I'm not quite sure I understand because I thought you had to push the crystal to connect. But if there's nothing to connect to, why would there be a kawoosh? Because the kawoosh is, is when two gates connect. So I don't know if that really works in my brain. Yeah, I don't. I think they just made that work for TV. I think so. Mm-hmm. Like, but you know, fine. But in the back of my brain, I'm like, but really? I'm mm, not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fandom has a problem. Yes. So we then see Atokra and a Jaffa start fighting because the Jaffa was not respecting their funerary practices. But the Jaffa was like, I was just asking about what was going on. And the Tokra's like, you can't talk. It's a funeral. It's like, and Jack's like, hey, this is, can we calm down? It's a funeral. It's been a long day. Let's all just like calm down kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So the Tokra starts to walk away. But then the Jaffa gets in a jab about the Tokra being no better than the Gould. And he's like, oh, that, mm, that, nope, don't. Nope say that no uh malik who'd come through with jacob who's one of the tokra then thinks jack is sort of apologizing on behalf of the of the jaffa and jack's like no no that that's not what i'm doing at all and jack was about to remind malik about how much he owes to these rebel jaffa malik takes offense to this because the tokra have been fighting against the gould for thousands of years to which jack replies yeah just when should we expect some progress on that low blow but definitely warranted i mean true but and then like he immediately realizes that's not the best thing to say in this situation kind of tries to just like move on and like brush that aside Mm -hmm. and as malik walks off sam approaches and mentions that some tokra don't like their temporary accommodations and jack's like tell them it's temporary and they can leave if they don't like and she's like are you sure he's like yeah okay no okay fine i'll i'll take care of it so Things are not starting off well for, like, anybody here. No. So he heads over to chat with Jacob, and they talk about everything, including what Jack went through with Kanan and how Salmak was utterly disgusted by what that Tok'ra did. And he wishes things could have gone better because then maybe Jack would understand the Tok'ra a bit better. Jacob admits that he is able to see the Jaffa differently from other Tok'ra because he doesn't have the same 
history with the Jaffa that like even the hosts of a Tok'ra would. But then he adds that uh, for why the Tok'ra are having issues with this, he says, for 2000 years, every time a Tok'ra died at the ha- at the end of a staff weapon, a Jaffa was holding it. Just like, that's very true. So mm-hmm. yeah. it might take the Tok'ra a bit of time to come to trust these Jaffa. So like this is this is not going to be an easy peasy one and done kind of situation. True. Jacob also mentions that there's talk amongst the Tok'ra that like this could be their end because all of the Tok'ra that are there are all of the Tok'ra that are left. There's not a lot of Tok'ra left at this point. The majority of them have unfortunately been wiped out at this point and... Jack also admits that the Jaffa Rebellion isn't really going that great either. So, you know, the two factions that they had hoped would maybe come together because common goal and stuff, like, mm, that, that, no, maybe, maybe not. No, neither mm. one of their causes are doing much of a foothold in the rebels. I don't know what yes. I'm trying to say. The opposition not of really the ghouls. Getting at them. Yes, that's the one. Yes. Okay. So then this is apparently the next morning in one of the science labs there. Sam is studying a Naquita reactor that had apparently been sabotaged to overload and blow up and would have taken out pretty much the whole camp there. Jack radios to Pierce to keep everybody away from the gate because whoever did this would obviously want to not be there when uh, that thing blew up. So guard it. Make sure nobody leaves. Yep. SG-1 then call back to the SGC to let Hammond know about the situation and recommend that all gate travel be suspended until they figure out what's going on, at least between like the SGC and the Alpha site. So nobody's going back and forth between those two places. Hammond agrees with adding the caveat that SG-3 will be on standby if needed. And then after disconnecting, Jack orders Pierce to double the guard on the gate. Okay. Malik and some other Tok'ra then approach and they get told what's going on and that everyone will be questioned, starting with the Tok'ra because everything was fine until the Tok'ra got there. Hmm. So the other Tok'ra are like, no, that's offensive again. Uh, Selmak then speaks up and agrees that this is the correct course of action to take. They'll use the Zatark detector, which can detect any kind of lie, regardless of whether or not the person is a Zatark. Interesting. Yeah, they still haven't really perfected that one very much. I don't think so, no. <laughs> no. So we then cut to Malik being questioned with the Zatark technology and seemingly passes. As he leaves, Jack sees that Jaffa and the Toko who were fighting earlier kind of almost get into blows outside when one kind of shoulder checks the other. But luckily, Tilk is there and he steps in and like diffuses the situation before it gets any worse. Jacob's going to go to the infirmary to screen the Tok'ra that are there, though it's unlikely to be any of them because they're in the infirmary. And so if they don't get anything from any of the Tok'ra, then they'll move on to the base personnel and then to the Jaffa, which that's not going to go over well, as Braytag says, because this whole Zaytark thing is about questioning one's loyalty. Jacob asks him to look at it as it actually like would confirm one's loyalty and Braytag is just like "Eh," and then turns to Jack and is like do you really trust the Tok'ra completely can you say that you do that and he's like well I trust them enough to submit to being questioned along with everybody else so Braytag's like okay I'll do what I can Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. just then Malik starts yelling for Jack from outside the Tok'ra who had gotten into the arguments earlier Ocker is lying on the ground dead and then we see that the Jaffa, he was arguing with Artok, is brought up and accused of killing Ocker. This is another one of my stupid fun facts, but Ocker didn't get spell checked in Word. 
Oh, so, so who is it? So Ocker is apparently slang for an Australian who is not well-educated and does not behave in a polite manner. <laughs> okay. So there you go. Anyway, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, the whole concept of this is very interesting anyway, because you wouldn't think they would, like, kill each other in secret. You think both pride, you know, everyone's pride involved. They would be like, oh, yeah, I did it, and I want you to know it. Yeah. I, the fact that this is all about stealthy hidden killing, I, I find that concept to be kind of Yeah, funny. and yeah, Braytac kind of brings it up later that when they find that he was like stabbed in the back, they're like, a Jaffa wouldn't do that. They would kill you to your face so you know who did it. Yep, and that's yeah. what I, that's all I would ask of my friends and enemies yep. is stab me in the face, not my back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stab me to my face. Yes. <laughs> So Artok, they kind of start questioning Artok out there in the field. And he's like, I wish I killed him. But he then like refuses to answer any of Malik's questions. And Jack's like, okay, answer mine. Whatever Malik said, just like, tell us what happened. Like, where were you? Like, what was going on? And Artok insists that he was on the other side of the camp. And then Malik insists that Artok be questioned. And Jack's like, yeah, Artok is like, I will not. No, you can't do this to me. And a couple SGC guards walk up to try and start to take him away. But then Braytac steps in and basically just stares our talk down, which is like the power of Braytac. Yes. Yep. Love it. So as he's taken away, Jack orders Sam to be there in the room for the questioning. He tells Fraser he needs a cause of death ASAP. Then turning to Braytac and Jacob, like he's going to need every bit of power these guys have over their own people to like calm shit down before things explode any more than they already have. Yep. An interesting thing in the commentary. So with the switch to sci, the sci-fi channel, Peter mentioned as obviously they then had commercial breaks, which changes how you write a show because there are definite like act breaks. And when you cut to commercial, you can then come back from commercial. So like the act break here is when they find the dead body. I think like on the DVD, there's a slight fade to black and then it fades back in, which you couldn't really do on Showtime because there were no commercials. So that's why there were often like cuts to like another place or like another subplot before sort of coming back and treating that as a kind of commercial break. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It kind of just changes like how you write the episode and where plot points fall and stuff. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because I don't think I'd ever really thought about it like that before. But Um, it's something that is always very, 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 very obvious in soap operas. That's painfully obvious because because soap operas are all dramatic and like having, you know, the arguments or something and they're staring dramatically at each other because they know that like there's going to be a commercial break. And then they come back. Oh, and like, okay. Something completely. It's yeah. I, I always notice that's so funny how like one scene that takes 45 minutes on a soap opera actually takes, you know, like a five minute conversation, but because they elongate it and play up the commercial breaks that they know are coming of the looking at each other and the, Oh my God, he's dead on the floor. And like all that stuff. It's yeah. painfully obvious that they do okay. that on purpose. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So we got to our talk being questioned with the Zaytark thing. Uh, They ask him a few questions. And then when they ask if he knows who kills Ocker, he says no, which reads as true. They then ask if he killed Ocker. And this reads as a lie. 
So Jack tells the guards to take Artok to a holding cell and Malik is ready to convict him right there and then. And they're like, okay, calm down because they've had false positives before. Artok's hatred of the Tok'ra might be affecting what emotions or whatever the detector is reading. They need to try and verify his alibi and wait for the results of the autopsy. And Malik's not happy about that. But as Jack says, they don't convict people just because a light turned red. Which True. Good. Thank you for that. Yes. Good point. Yes. Very good point. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the results of the art of the autopsy are in. There is some evidence that Ocker's mouth was covered from behind by the assailants, which would have prevented him from like calling out for help or, oh my God, I'm being murdered or something. The actual cause of death was him being stabbed in the neck in a very precise location that severed the spinal column of both the host and the symbiote. Tilk and Braytac insist that this was not done by a Jaffa, as a Jaffa would kill you to your face. And Malik doesn't quite believe them, but Tilk is certain that Ocker was murdered by a Gould or another Tok'ra. Interesting. Then an alarm starts ringing. They all rush to the holding cells where Autok was taken, and now he's dead. Uh-oh. Mm. I originally thought this was going to turn out to be a Tok'ra, and they... Jaffa working together to create Discord. Oh, like a like a a ghoul in disguise as a Tok'ra or like a, a Tok'ra Tok'ra? Um, no, like a sorry, like a Tok'ra and a Jaffa that are like, no, 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 we don't want this piece. We need to stop any sort of mm. happy between us. Okay, yeah. keep keep the two factions separate. Exactly. So they were like, no, 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 we can't. Never the two shall meet. We cannot have the Capulets and the Montagues together. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Okay. That's not what it turned out to be. So it's sort of like the the Jaffa kills the Toker, the Toker kills the Jaffa Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Interesting. Yep. Mm. Yep. Okay. You know, like when two strangers meet on a train and kill each other's wives? Husbands. No, it's two women who meet and kill the other's husbands. That's how it goes. Either one. (laughs) Women can be murderers too, Rachel. Either one. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the difference here is that Artok was killed from the front. It was a stab wound too, but Fraser can't be sure it was the same weapon as the one that killed Ocker until she does a more thorough investigation. In addition to the guard insisting the door was locked the whole time and nobody went in or out, there were also no defensive wounds. So Malik suggests that that's because Artok knew his killer, a.k.a. another Jaffa. Mm-hmm. As Artok is carried towards the gate, Raknor accuses the Tok'ra of killing him. Malik clocks the knife that Raknor carries. They argue, almost come to physical blows, which results in basically like the standoff of like all of the Tok'ra versus all of Jaffa, just like standing in a line, staring each other down. And Jack's like, hey, let's maybe not. Hold on. Do you love how Jack is pretty much the only one that can get everybody to stop? But I was being like, hey, hey. no, no. Can, can we not? Yeah. No. Uh, so Braytac then calls for Jack and he's like kind of over there a little bit and Braytac has found footprints. They could belong to a Tok'ra or a Jaffa. So let's just, let's do a head count and find out where everybody is. That'll yep. at least get some kind of answer. Yep. Good news. Everybody's accounted for. Bad news. That means there's somebody or something else here and it's time to hunt down whoever or whatever that is. So they're going to split up into groups of three with a Jaffa, a Tok'ra, and a Tauri in each group. Which I'm like, that's good, because you can't then accuse 
somebody of doing something if you have one person from every camp in each group. Yep, I like it. Uh, Jack reminds everybody that this person or thing has been trying to get them to turn against each other. So please try and keep that in mind and don't like start fighting amongst yourselves. Be cut between a bunch of groups like wandering through the forest and searching for things. And Tilk's group is there and they come across another group of three who are all dead. He radios to Jack and says that they appear to have been killed elsewhere and then dragged to where they are. Then near Jack, there's like a twig snapping and we see some like foliage moving on its own. That's definitely not like wind moving it. So Jack radios to Sam to head to Tilk's location. Jack starts giving hand signals to Braytac and Malik, which did the Jaffa and Toker get like a crash course on U.S. military hand signals? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and they, they start searching the area. And we then see that the assailant is up in a tree and we get like a point of view shot of them looking down before they jump onto Braytac and Malik. And just before that, it kind of seems like Braytac consents them coming, pushes Malik out of the way. Braytac and the assailant struggle, but Braytac and Malik, like neither of them can get a hit on whoever or whatever this thing is. They take Braytac down and drag him off. And Malik's just kind of staring in horror at what's just happened before he runs off to find Jack to tell him what happened, including that Braytac is dead. No, which I knew was because you see him like get dragged off and he was still alive. And like, he just had this look of shock on his face. Like yeah. I can understand how the guy would assume like, Oh yeah, he gone. But at the same time, <laughs> he never actually says I saw him get dragged off and he was still alive. He was yes. just like, he's dead. Yes. It's like, Cause yeah, Braytac was very much alive when he was dragged off. So yeah. uh, then Tilk is there and like attacks Malik, starts strangling him for not going off after Braytac. Uh, Jacob's like, can we, can you do something? And Jack's like, Tilk, stop. Like, <laughs> could you yeah. put any less emotion into what you're saying? And Jacob is the one who finally steps, steps up and tells Tilk that Braytac would not have wanted this. And finally, Talik relents and lets Malik up. So Malik tells everybody that the attacker was invisible. So time to start speculating about what's going on. Like, well, so Near T has personal cloning, personal cloaking technology and Jacob doubts this is near to like there's no way Anubis would work with her and Sam's like well whoever this is without the TERs they're completely helpless and then Malik's like hey can you generate a high frequency electromagnetic field and she's like sure with some alterations to the neck with a generator they techno babble for a bit at each other and Jack's like what are you telling me what I think you're telling me and she's like yes we can make the invisible guy visible it's like great good that's all I need to know and as Jacob says, if you can see it, you can shoot it. They don't go with that anyway. They no. Because <laughs> they shoot it even when you can't see it. They try to shoot it even if they can't see it. And then yes. it's dumb. I really, I wanted them to have some sort of discussion at least of like, can we throw sand at it? Can we like get some sort of spray? Water, can buckets we... of water. Yeah, okay. Yeah, can we at least get water going so we see something moving? And and if that's completely ridiculous, then somebody could have been like, um, no, that's stupid. It's like an electricity thing. You can't like, I don't know. But I wanted yeah. somebody to bring that up of like, <laughs> let's not just shoot air. Yes. 
So Sam goes to get the reactor and brings it like out into the open. Jack gathers everybody back together to guard the gate and tells them what's going on. And now that they know what they're up against, the enemy will have a harder time staying safe. And whatever they do, just make sure that nobody goes through the gate. We cut then to the autopsy room where Fraser confirms that Artok was killed by the same weapon slash person that killed Ocker. Most likely they also killed the people in the woods. And so Artok was killed by being stabbed through the pouch with killed the symbiote and then up to pierce Artok's heart. So like whoever this is, they, they definitely know what they're doing for sure. So Tilk then brings up that this is most likely then an Ashrak. And yes, this is the kind of assassin that tried to kill Sam when she was still host to Jolinar. And Tilk shares a story about how Ashraks are very skilled assassins and everything. And Fraser's like, well, why didn't the Ashrak just kill everybody? And Jack's like, divide and conquer is much more effective. Didn't we talk about before how that phrase is misused? Possibly during the episode of Divide and Conquer? Probably. Probably. <laughs> you can feel free to remind people if you want. We, no, we, I don't even remember. <laughs> I have no help whatsoever in all of this. I've already forgotten what we watched. <laughs> we could do an entire rewatch again. <laughs> Is that what we're going to do when we're done? We just wrap back around to the beginning. Just rewatch it again because I've forgotten it already. Okay. So back near the gate, Sam and Malik are working on the reactor. We then get like that point of view shot of the Ashrak sort of moving amongst the crowd very silently, very stealthily, very carefully. They apparently then decide to just go for it, knock down Major Pierce, knock down a few other Jaffa and Tok'ra, and like run towards the gate. Everybody starts firing. Why again? Stop, stupid. And we get like a Jaffa accidentally shooting a Tok'ra, basically at point blank right in the chest. Uh, That does not look accidental. (laughs) Tilt gets a fist to the face. The Ashrak runs off, leaving everything in chaos. Jack calls for the medics. Pierce comes up to tell Jack that the Ashrak got his GDO. That's that's not good. Uh, no, no. No. And Pierce wants to go after them, but Jack's like, no, like, hold the gate. Nobody's leaving. Malik's like, we should leave. And Jack's like, no, that's not happening. Nobody is dialing the gate to go anywhere. We're going to stay. We're going to guard the gate. Nobody's going anywhere until the Ashrak is caught and found. Mm-hmm. So Sam and Malik get the reactor sort of like up into the frequency range that's needed. Jack starts feeling a tingling sensation, but apparently he likes it and it's all fine. No harm is being done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they crank the reactor up to full power and we start to see the Ashrak kind of appears like right by Sam. She gets knocked down. They start attacking the other people, but then it goes invisible again. Jack tries to shoot at it again. Why? You can't see it. Stop shooting. Tilk then sort of senses the Ashrak approaching and yells out for Ragnar, but Ragnar gets like bowled over, who falls into Tilk, takes him down. Jack starts shooting, yells at everybody to get down, then pulls out a massive machine gun. Everybody drops to the ground as Jack spins in the 360, trying to hit the Ashrak, which is in slow-mo, and it's just like so badass. It's supposed to be badass, but that was the biggest time where I was like, why? What? What are you doing? Obviously, you're going in a circle. He's just going to go the other way. Or he has also (laughs) dropped to the ground. Why? (laughs) I mean, Jack looks very cool, but this is completely useless. Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. So he obviously misses. We then see the Ashrak kind of shimmer into visibility ish like kind of not far away 
starts heading towards Jack. Jack drops the gun, pulls out his knife, and then suddenly the Ashrak is hit in the back with a staff blast. Deactivates the shield, and it's it's our buddy Dan Payne as the Ashrak. Uh, we then get a second, and then a third blast that hit him, and he falls over, and it's Braytag! Yay! Knew it the whole time. He looks a little worse for the wear, but he's alive. The Ashrak is not. Jack radios to Pierce that they got the guy. Everybody can stand down. Jack grabs the GDO off the Ashrak. Malik then thanks Braytac for saving his life twice, then asks for his forgiveness. And Braytac and Malik then do the forearm embrace thing and their brothers and like all is well. Yay! And to end, we have Braytac taking up the Ashrak's weapon and says... This single blade did what we could not. It has brought us together. This blade has spilled the blood of Jaffa, of the Tok'ra, and of the Tauri. By the hand of our common enemy, it has made us brothers. Together, we have ensured it will never spill our blood again. And, like, spikes the knife into the ground. And that's the end. So I have two comments on that. Okay. One is that... They're all of a sudden like, we have a common enemy. We can fight together. Like, you had one before. That's the entire reason for this whole adventure. You you should have had a common enemy uniting event before because it was the Gould. Yes. I don't. I don't yeah. know why all of a sudden, like, one assassin, you're like, we're fighting together for a common cause. Um... <laughs> It is a little, yeah. But again, yeah. It, I think it kind of goes back to Jacob's thing of like, every time a Tok'ra has died, it has been because of a ghoul and a Jaffa. And literally like yesterday, a whole bunch of Tok'ra died at the hands of Jaffa. So. Yeah. And then the other thing was like, Braytek is telling his story about what happened to him. And he's like, I was left for dead. And I was like, an assassin would never, ever, ever leave you for dead. Yes. Because yes. you're Braytek. That would never happen. No. You would have been dead. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the last thing I noticed about this episode was mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because of like the locations that they chose to shoot that imply there was more stuff, but like that was the alpha site where if Earth goes bananas, that's where all of the important people and anyone else they can evacuate go. Mm-hmm. Why was it just like an open field and a campsite? I always imagined it to be like built up to some sort of base or almost like a little mini western town or like something to accommodate large amounts of people that they were planning on maybe having yeah okay so this might be what peter was talking about so at the very beginning of the episode when everybody's coming through and they're all right around the gate there's a shot that's focused on jack but the background is very blurry there's like trees but then would also look like just solid blocks of something that could be buildings. Turns out it's just the, like the circus of the production in that location. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's why he kind of put it out of focus to make it seem like there's more stuff over there. Okay. And sort of using just the production stuff to stand in for the reshows reality stuff. Whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I very distinctly noticed like, why are all of the alpha site scenes taking place in like, an open field and a campsite and seems very bare for like the earth alpha site you don't really see where your tax dollars are going on this one 
Well, you, I mean, <laughs> they've talked several times about how much of a struggle it was to get approval to even make the alpha site. This could still be sort of like, you have enough money for this. And then if you can prove it's worth it, then maybe you'll get more money. Yeah, but possibly. by then they've had more than one occasion where they actually have evacuated people to the alpha site. So, okay. yeah. I mean, they haven't ultimately needed them to stay there. That's but they've true. started. Yeah. They've had close calls where they're like, okay, start getting people to the alpha site. That's true. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's just the, the production logistics and stuff. I just kind of, I figure it was one of those things that nobody was like, you know, this is the alpha site people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to have like medical buildings and stuff right there. People come through the gate injured. They don't have to travel far to get treatment and stuff and having some kind of camp near the gate makes sense. But yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. So my question is, so is it kind of weird having two episodes back to back that aren't really about SG one? Like last week we had the other guys that was Mm -hmm. about, you know, the other scientists and this week it's really about like the Jaffa Tokra and their relations or lack thereof. Ah, okay. I, I just, you know, because we watched these so close together, it's just like, oh, but last, like, like SG-1 was doing SG-1 things, but it wasn't, like, about SG-1. Maybe they know. were in negotiations with Michael Shanks at that point, and they didn't know <laughs> how much they wanted to actually write about the SG-1 storyline and where it was going, because they didn't know, and they were just like, throw extra shit in there. Maybe. I don't know. Nobody mentioned it. So anywhere, unlike the commentary or anything. So I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to watch the production diary special feature thing for this episode. Crap. Oops. I have no fun stuff in there. I'm sorry. I, I have slacked in my duties. I, I apologize, everybody. I also forgot to look up the YouTube video of the bloopers from the other guy. Uh, I totally yes. wanted to go watch that. Yes. You need to do that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, so the episode title, Allegiance. Uh, One definition of allegiance is loyalty or the obligation of loyalty as to a nation, sovereign, or cause. The Tok'ra and Java and, you know, Earth, we have sort of an allegiance to this cause of the the destruction of the Gould, if you will. Yes. Mm -hmm. As far as foreign territory titles, in French, this was called Unity Makes Strength, which is apparently the official motto of Belgium. Oh, okay. In Spanish, it was called loyalty. Okay. In Czech, it was called unity. In Hungarian, it was called alliance. And in German, the alliance. Oh, okay. It wasn't Toker versus Jafar. <laughs> it was not Toker. It wasn't secret assassin. <laughs> no. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's okay. the shtick we're going to have to do for this season is we're just going to come up with, the, with our pseudo- <laughs> German titles that just gives the entire plot away. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Secret assassin. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, final thoughts on Allegiant. Uh, I mean, uh, this, this is one of the ones where I watch it and I was like, it's fine. <laughs> I think I like this one a little bit more just because I appreciate that it called back storylines that other shows would probably not go back to. True. So I appreciate that. And we do, I think, get, even though it's not really going to last, like the Toker and Jaffa, like really starting to come together and be like, oh, yes, you really are working towards the same thing and can help each other. Yeah. Yeah. All 12 of them. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh yeah, so like Peter mentioned that like because there's they, there's only so many extras that like if they're shooting like Jack and Jacob and there's a bunch of people in the background when they turn around and shoot the other way it's those same people in the background like on both oh. sides because you know there's like 30 people but they have to right. make it look like more or so you know that's anyway. funny yeah so there you go <laughs> they just change their hair part on the other side a little bit yes put on some Clark Kent glasses and they're fine yeah. <laughs> slightly different rags and stuff yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on Instagram at SG underscore Freewatch. And now on Discord, you can find the link in the show notes or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Cure. Bye. Bye. Bye.